Welcome to Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup. Here's a look at some of our Caribbean headlines for today. Updating testing requirements for traveling to the United States. Guyana EPA orders environmental impact assessment for Exxon's $900 million gas project. Failed St. Croix Lime Tree Bay refinery bidder calls winning bid disguise liquidation. Law submitted to U.S. Congress for renewal of Haitian Hope Help programs. Chinese FM puts forward proposals on China, community of Latin America, and Caribbean states, and Governor of Puerto Rico travels to Dominican Republic to strengthen ties. These and other stories on today's Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, December 6. We start our report today with a look at the new United States travel protocols. Beginning today, Monday, December 6, all individuals traveling to the United States, regardless of vaccination status or nationality, must show a negative pre-departure COVID-19 viral test taken no more than one day before boarding their flights to the United States. This new regulation announced by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention applies to all travelers age two and older. Persons who have recently recovered from COVID-19 may instead travel with documentation of recovery from COVID-19, such as a positive COVID-19 viral test result on a sample taken no more than 90 days before flight departure and a letter from a licensed health care provider or a public health official stating that you were cleared to travel. This is in addition to the requirements that foreign national air travelers must be fully vaccinated and provide proof of vaccination status prior to boarding an airplane to fly to the United States, with only limited exceptions. For more information on updated travel requirements, please visit the CDC website. Crider News reports that following its review of ExxonMobil's application to proceed with the $900 million gas-to-shore project, Guyana's Environmental Protection Agency said it has determined that an environmental impact assessment is required. The regulator said that it has also approved environmental resource management to conduct the environmental impact assessment, while noting that it has also given authorized for the terms of reference it once used. One of the terms note that the company must examine the introduction of increased dangers such as fires, explosions, spills, chemical and other hazardous substances to the surrounding environment, including coastal communities. ExxonMobil is also required to investigate possible effects of the project on the demographic and socioeconomic and cultural profiles of the communities. This includes consideration for local employment and training, local procurement, vulnerable groups, youth and elderly, handicapped and other users of the area, transportation, health services, security, lifestyle and culture. Guyana's EPA said, too, that the potential for unplanned settlements, overloading of any community infrastructure and social conflict between workers and communities should also be included in the environmental impact assessment. Criders News also noted that the environmental impact assessment has to consider the impact of the project on transportation planning and traffic as well as discuss potential health and safety impacts due to changes in marine and riverine vessel traffic and onshore vehicles.
particular traffic conditions, such as increased volumes. Exxon is also expected to discuss the potential for changes to air quality that might increase human exposure to contaminants, pollution, including the impacts of increased volume of dust and the potential health impacts associated with exposure to these contaminants and pollutants. The Guyana EPA was keen to note that an assessment will be conducted on the cumulative socioeconomic and environmental effects that are likely to result from the proposed activities in combination with other existing approved and proposed projects that could reasonably be considered to have a combined effect. Earlier this year, Crowder News had reported that SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited is seeking environmental authorization to construct and operate a pipeline from the Liza Phase 1 and Liza Phase 2 floating production, storage, and offloading vessels to an onshore natural gas liquids processing plant. It should be noted that SO Exploration and Production Guyana Limited is the designated operator of the Strayberg block and therefore sought authorization for the project on behalf of itself and co-venturers Hess Guyana Corporation Limited and China National Offshore Oil Corporation Petroleum Guyana Limited. The Virgin Islands Free Press via Riders reports that one of the bidders for the bankruptcy of Lime Tree Bay Refinery on St. Croix objected to the winning bid in court last week, arguing the new company, which said it wants to restart the Caribbean facility, really wants to liquidate its assets. Bankrupt Lime Tree Bay officials named St. Croix Energy LLC the winning bidder last week in a $33 million purchase agreement, according to the filing of the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of Texas Houston Division. However, backup bidder Bay Limited, a Texas-based contractor, objected to the sale in the court filing last Wednesday, saying it, along with New York-based Sabin Metal Corp., made a superior tandem bid of $39 million. Bay asked the court to postpone a sale hearing scheduled for December 7, pending more legal discovery. The St. Croix bid smacks of nothing more than a disguised dismantlement bid, and in a head-to-head with Bay and Sabin, it falls far short, Bay said in a court filing last week. St. Croix Energy said it had won the auction in November. It has said it wants to restart the refinery, which was shut by U.S. regulators earlier this year after a botch restart by private equity owners EIG and Arclight. Those companies poured more than $4 billion into the facility in efforts to revive Lime Tree, which has been shut down for several years. St. Croix Energy said it will buy the refinery for $20 million, with approximately $13 million in assumed and avoided liabilities and other costs. The company, which has not revealed its leadership team, was designated the stalking horse bidder, the initial bid that acts as a price floor last month. Bay also argued that St. Croix Energy prematurely announced itself as the winning bidder weeks before it was formally designated on the docket, violating auction procedures.
Haiti Libre reports that the introduction of the U.S. Congress of a law for the renewal until 2035 of the Haitian Hemisphere Opportunity through Partnership Encouragement Program and the Haitian Economic Lift Program, HOPE and HELP, is the result of sustained work of the Association Industries of Haiti in collaboration with the Center for Facilitation of Investments for the Development of the Clothing Sector in Haiti, where more than 56,000 jobs are concerned. U.S. Senators Mark Rubio, Republican of Florida, and Bill Cassidy, Republican of Louisiana, introduced a legislation to reauthorize the HOPE and HELP programs that expire in September. 2025. The bill would ensure that the benefits of these two essential programs are maintained until 2035. The HOPE Act introduced as a response to an economic downturn in Haiti in 2005 removes duties from Haitian apparel exports to the United States. The HELP Act passed by Congress following the 2010 earthquake in Haiti broadens the types of goods eligible for duty-free status to over 5,000 types of apparel and footwear. Together, hope and help apply to roughly 93% of Haitian exports to the United States and employs more than 56,000 Haitians. Apparel factories in Haiti are a crucial source of stable economic employment in the country. HaitiNews.net via Xinhua News reports that Chinese state counselor and foreign minister Wang Yi on Friday chaired the third minister's meeting of the Forum of China and the Community of Latin America and Caribbean States and put forward proposals on China and the Community of Latin America and Caribbean States Corporation. Noting the achievement of China, Community of Latin America and Caribbean States Corporation since the second minister's meeting, Wang said Latin America Caribbean countries are welcome to play an active role in the Global Development Initiative, which meets the interests of a majority of developing countries. Wang called on Latin America Caribbean states to promote equality and create opportunities for independent development, to insist on mutual benefit and create joint development opportunities, continue to deepen cooperation in joint research, development and production of vaccines and drugs. Countries in the region are welcome to continue to to share the dividends of China's construction of a new development pattern and deepen the high-quality joint construction of the Belt and Road to help accelerate post-academic recovery, Wang said. China and the community of Latin America and Caribbean state countries should together create green development opportunities and strengthen cooperation in digital economy, e-commerce, electric vehicles, artificial intelligence. China will work with the countries to promote green economic transformation, urge developing countries to implement climate financing commitments, and provide developing countries with greater support in terms of emission reduction technologies and capacity. Wang also stressed the opening and inclusiveness of cooperation by adding that both sides should continue to expand exchanges and cooperation in areas such as enterprise, media, think tanks, youth sports, and tourism. 
News in America reports that the governor of Puerto Rico, Pedro Perilusi, and the local secretary of state, Omar Marrero, will travel to the Dominican Republic on Wednesday on their first commercial development mission to strengthen trade and investment ties between the two Caribbean lands. According to Marrero in a press release, Perilusi's commitments under his administration is to promote economic, commercial, and business exchange between Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic in order to establish an agenda for future and socioeconomic development of the island. Marrero added that his plan in the Dominican Republic would include a meeting with the Dominican President Luis Abner as well as formal visits to Foreign Minister Roberto Alvarez, the Director of Immigration of Dominican Republic, the Mixed Commission of Puerto Rico, and the Dominican Republic, amongst others. Another part of the plan will include exchanges with a delegation of 20 Puerto Rican companies from various economic sectors, led by the Department of Economic Development and Commerce, Manuel Cidre. Marrero pointed out that this initiative is a strategic union. Therefore, we will listen to proposed ideas and needs to achieve initiatives and projects that benefit Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. Barbados Today reports that three inaugural flights touched down in Barbados on Sunday as the island continues to expand its North American and European markets. United Airlines Flight 388 from Newark saw Barbados-born pilot Captain Ryan Padmore in command. Minister of Tourism and International Transport Senator Lisa Cummings was part of the welcoming party for the flight and said tourism officials and stakeholders continue to be pleased with the new flights being seen coming into the island. We are quite happy to have these new gateways opening up, bringing new passengers, new traffic to Barbados from the United States. The tourism minister, however, stressed that she and officials remain confident in the Ministry of Health's protocols, as well as the World Health Organization's guidance to keep travel in Barbados as safe as possible. Two other flights for the day were United Airlines from Dallas, Washington, and Virgin Atlantic 233 flight from Edinburgh, Scotland. And finally, Caribbean Journal reports that Spanish carrier Iberia is adding more flights to Puerto Rico next summer. In the summer of 2022, Iberia will be operating up to five flights each week between Madrid and San Juan. That means an additional 84,000 seats between April and October, a 25% increase over the same period in 2019. We are extremely satisfied with the results of Commercial Alliance, between the tourism company and Iberia, said Carlos Mercado Santiago, executive director for the Puerto Rican Tourism Company. These numbers go above pre-pandemic operations, which will operate the strengthening of the tourism industry and the economic development of Puerto Rico. For now, Iberia will run its winter program through March, which includes four weekly frequencies between Madrid and San Juan. With the five weekly frequencies, we will continue promoting Puerto Rico, as we have done so far among more than 90 destinations nations we fly to in Europe, which will undoubtedly improve connectivity and boost tourism from Europe, said Victor Munio, Iberia's sales director for Latin America. 
The flights will be operating on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and Saturdays on Iberia's Airbus A330-200 aircraft. Iberia has been flying to Puerto Rico for 72 years. This has been your Pulse of the Caribbean, Caribbean News Roundup for Monday, December 6th. I'm Keisha Wallace. For more Caribbean news stories and information, visit us online at pulseofthecaribbean.com and be sure to like and follow us on Facebook, now Meta.